Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. Thanks for tuning in. And today I'm joined by Steve Seip, who attends our church here at Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene. Steve, how are you doing today? Thank you for joining me. Doing wonderful. Thanks for having me. And uh, Steve's here today to share his testimony with us. So, Steve, uh, just to give us a little background starting out, just tell us about where you're from and a little bit about how you grew up. Well, I'm um, from the Elkton area originally. Um, I'm one of six uh, kids. I have three brothers and three sisters. And I grew up right in the town limits of Elkton. Um, wasn't on the outside. We were actually town kids. Uh, when you think of the Sandlot movie, that I can really relate to that. Uh, we got up on Saturday mornings and uh, we all met up at somebody's backyard and whatever the sport was for the season, that's what we did. We it was football in my yard, or maybe baseball in the in the next guy's yard, or maybe swimming in the river. Um, that, that's where I grew up, and uh, I probably um, economically we didn't have a whole lot. But as a kid, I didn't know that. I I didn't know we didn't have a lot until I was probably a teenager because uh, I just had I had a really good childhood. I didn't have everything I wanted, but I certainly had everything I needed. And uh, it was probably during those times that I realized that. Uh, you know, God had uh, God had His hand in my life even early on. Well, uh, thank you for sharing that, Steve. So you mentioned that you're from Elkton, grew up in Elkton, and grew up playing. You know, whatever season it was, that sport, um, kind of like you said, the Sandlot, the kids going down um, playing, and um, you mentioned that you might not have had everything you wanted, but you had everything you needed, and kind of sensing God's presence in your life even early on. What is maybe your earliest recollection of Christ or sensing his presence? Maybe what made you sense his presence in your life for the first time? Well, I I can't uh, recall the first time. I just know that it was early. And uh, my parents didn't go to church, uh, but uh, People's Baptist Church would send a, a bus down to Elkton to pick kids up and uh, uh, they made sure we got on the bus and I remember riding that school bus from Elkton all the way up here to Harrisonburg and going to Sunday school and uh, so uh, I would say that was probably the earliest introduction uh, that I had to going to church and and Christ but I didn't make a a commitment to Christ until you know I was a teenager but uh, he was a big part of my life to the point that I remember playing baseball in Little League and uh, I would always pray before I came up to bat. I said, Lord, let me get a hit here. Let me get a hit here. And it got to where uh, I did it so much that I almost had a click. I would say, amen, 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 like four or five times. And people thought I had a click problem. I had mm-hmm. other kids say, hey, man, what's, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? <laughs> in reality, I was just... I was being emphatic about my prayer. Lord, let me get a hit here. And uh, uh, that's probably the earliest. I don't remember making that commitment then, but I remember I I relied on him even to the point that uh, I needed his help to help me get a hit or to perform well. And um, so that's probably the earliest memories. Just talking about uh, growing up and playing Little League, that brought back memories for me, me thinking about uh, drawing a cross in the dirt 
And uh, I was praying more along the lines of praying, Lord, help me not get hit. (laughs) (laughs) Being afraid of the ball. But uh, it's just, it's funny how things like that, they might not seem like big things then, but now looking back on it, you know, they're kind of the foundation, so to speak. And God speaks even in the small things, even the things that Mm -hmm. might not seem important like playing Little League Baseball and just, you know, asking him, even though we might see that now as funny things to pray for getting hit or not getting hit, but uh, he doesn't see that as funny. He wants us to speak to him just like we can a friend or, you know, a close family member or whoever it may be. So uh, thank you for sharing that, Steve. And also you were talking about getting a ride on the church bus, the People's Baptist, just uh, important ministry there. You know, the church bus for kids who might not have a ride to church otherwise. And thank you for sharing that. And uh, anything else uh, from your childhood uh, that you'd like to share that maybe had an impact on you um, that you haven't mentioned already? Well, my father, um, for those who knew him um, or knew me through him, um, he was an alcoholic, so uh, we, and of course, there were issues within my parents' relationship because of that, and uh, they divorced when I was 13, and uh, we stayed with my mother. My father entered uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and moved to Fredericksburg to a halfway house to rehab, and um, during that three-year period, my mother uh, contracted uh, cancer. And um, she died when I was when I was 17, and um, had an option possibly to go move to Fredericksburg to be with my father. But I, um, my oldest brother took me in, and uh, my little brother, and my little sister, we were the three that were still at home, and um, so moved in with my oldest brother, and uh, he just treated me um, not just like a brother, but a best friend. He gave me money and keys to his car, him and his wife, uh, they were just very gracious, and uh, so uh, I was able to, um, uh, that was my junior year in high school, so I was able to f- finish high school, and that's where I met Angela, and um, I dated uh, Angela up until I was 21, and then moved out when she and I got married, so, you know, talking about my father, we were distant um, after that for many years, the only time we saw him uh, he made a full recovery from alcoholic, uh, which is a blessing. Uh, but uh, we'd see him once or twice a year. He would come in to visit. Uh, but for the most part, that was pretty much the extent of our relationship up until, you know, about six years ago. Steve, uh, just sounds like some hard situations for a teenager to have to go through, uh, whether it be parents separating a dad struggling with uh, alcoholism, then losing your mother at 17. I can't even imagine that. But just maybe if there's somebody listening that might be going through something like that or something similar to any of those three things, just any words of advice that you would have for them. And uh, certainly we as Christians know to rely on the Lord, but just anything that helped you get through those hard times that you went through. Well, um, again, uh, the fact that, um, you know, I wasn't just uh, put into any home in any environment. I was, you know, I was able to be around my brother who wasn't a Christian, 
but um, he had Christian values and morals, him and his wife, and uh, they helped me personally transition through that difficult time. And of course, I had my other uh, brother and uh, my two sister. I had an older sister who was like a mother to me. And uh, so I had that uh, support system. Uh, so I was very blessed. And again, uh, another reason why I just knew early on that the Lord was looking out for me. But, uh, you know, um, and of course, my dad's alcoholism, he was able to get help through uh, the AA um, uh, support system. And he remarried. And so um, he seemed like he found himself and found happiness. So, But it was really when I met Angela, in order for me to uh, to date Angela, she was very active in the church. So was her family, where she was from, um, where she grew up. And in order for me to date her, I had to go to church. And uh, for me, that was an easy sacrifice. I will go to church to date her. <laughs> so um, when I got into the church, uh, and then specifically, that was uh, back when I was nineteen. Uh, that's where I come to know the Lord and, and uh, met Him through a group called Teen Challenge. Um, they were in uh, one weekend, and uh, they were ministering to some teenagers. And asked me, "When did you come to know the Lord or uh, get saved?" And I said, "I hadn't." And I said, "I'm still working on it." And he said, "Are you still working on it? Do you believe in Him?" I said, "Yeah. Well, then you need to, you need to do it right now. There ain't no waiting." And uh, yeah, I, there was a sense of, "Yeah, you're right. What am I waiting for?" So that was the point that uh, I said the sinner's prayer, and I invited the Lord to come to my life when I was 19, and uh, that was the turnaround for me, personally. Right, and uh, you were talking about uh, meeting Angela and going to church with her family, and God can use situations in our lives where you might have been going to the church initially because you wanted to date Angela, but he can use that to reach you. And he certainly did that. Yes. And also, it sounds like he used your older brother and his wife, even though, like you said, they weren't saved, but they had Christian values. So he can even use unsaved people to reach Amen. people. Amen. And sometimes that ends up having a two-way effect, so to speak. If he reaches one person through that person, then once he reaches that person, he can use that person to reach the people. That So it's kind of comes full circle, yes. so to speak. Yeah. Steve, uh, what would you say through all your experiences in life, all the things that you've been through is, and it doesn't have to be one thing, it can be something in general, but it could be one thing that you're most thankful to God for in your life. Well, you know, other than the obvious, the cliche things, you know, I'm thankful for my wife and my two boys. They're the most important things on this earth to me uh, outside of my faith. Um, Probably one of the more grateful things that I can say that's even happened recently is the, um, my father, as I told you earlier, where our relationship was uh, distant because of he was distant. He was gone a lot. He, you know, his wife lived always lived somewhere else, and it was restricted only a couple times a year, uh, even to my sons who didn't. That's the only way they knew their grandfather. About six years ago, his, his wife uh, passed away. Uh, she had got cancer, and um, we had talked before she passed. She wanted to make sure that he was going to be taken care of, and I told her that, you know, we would take care of him, and Aunt and I talked and prayed about it. And so when she passed, uh, Dad um, 
ended up moving up here and living with us. And, um, yeah, you know, like anything, you know, taking care of a parent, it's like taking care of a kid. It's, yeah. it can be a struggle because there could be aggravating times and, and that type of thing. But, uh, in, in hindsight, it was, uh, a great time because I got to know the father that he wanted to be, uh, the regrets that he had, uh, being an alcoholic and because it was a sickness he couldn't fix or didn't fix it through my youth. I saw the regret in his life and, uh, that last six years, I got to know a, um, a more gentle side and a peaceful side of him. And, uh, in fact, uh, about a year uh, before his wife passed away, he called me up and said he wanted to come up and he wanted to get right with the Lord. And I said, oh, really? And he said, yeah. And he said, I want to come up. And he said, I want to get baptized and I want to get right with the Lord. And, uh, so that was, uh, start of something that was really special. And, um, so he came up and we went to my sister's church and, he accepted the Lord. He got baptized, and um, so that was that was uh, really special. But uh, you know, up until my father passed back in the spring, you know, I got a chance for my my boys got to know their grandfather uh, on a different level, um, to getting to see him, getting to talk to him, hear his war stories, and you know, not very often do you get to talk to ninety two year old people who've right. been here almost a century and seen and done the things that he did. And seeing the regret that uh, and the remorse that uh, he had from you know from times that I was younger. Uh, one thing I will say, I he, he I, I was never physically, you know, abused or beat on or nothing. I had none of that. So, again, I, I, as bad as things were or could have been, in hindsight, I look it is not near as bad as as it maybe as it could have been. Yeah. So. Uh, that's probably one of the biggest things I can say I'm thankful for that I got that opportunity, unfortunately, through the death of his of his wife. But I got to know my father in a, in a more personal way, and so did my boys. Well, uh, Steve, thank you for sharing that. And as you were talking, I was thinking about how the Bible says he restores what the locust has eaten. So he gave you that time back in the last five or six <clears throat> years before your dad passed away. Um, just kind of to renew or restore your relationship with each other, so to speak. And uh, I think that's a message of hope for people that maybe have a strained relationship with a parent or even a child. So any encouragement, uh, and certainly he used your life to win your dad to Christ, I think, as an example, to win him and certainly... uh, Pastor Margaret says this all the time, but God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children, and he loves us all. And so uh, just any other encouragement that you would have if anybody listening has a strained relationship with a family member? Well, I um, I, I, again, it it may sound cliche, but if you've got a strained relationship with a loved one, especially a sibling or or even a parent, I would just encourage you to try to rectify that sooner than later. I had um, one of the brothers I was telling you about earlier, uh, it was, it was, his name's Mike, he was three years older than me, I was the next one under him. Uh, he lived in Florida, and uh, he was much, a lot like my dad, he was a, a roamer and he was gone a lot, and uh, he moved to Florida, and uh, I didn't get to see him a whole lot, and um, he and I had... Um, you know, phone relationship and letters and things like that. But uh, I went down to see him and Angela. I visited with him a couple of times. He came up here a couple of times, 
but he and I had a little falling out. It was nothing serious, but to the point that we were just hard-headed. Uh, I didn't call him. He didn't call me. And um, six years went by, and then I get a phone call that uh, he was killed on a motorcycle. And um, I had to go to his funeral, and um, those are regrets that I have even today that uh, we let something trivial um, keep our relationship from being what it, two brothers should have been. So I don't care what it is. It's not bigger than family and it's not bigger than blood. And um, It's nothing that uh, with God's help you can't rectify. Do it sooner rather than later. Well, Steve, thank you for sharing that, and I'm sorry that uh, you had to deal with the loss of your brother, and uh, certainly you just have to surrender that to God and just trust that he, uh, maybe he met your brother in a, in a hard situation before the end of his life. We just never know. We just have to trust <clears throat> that to God and leave that to him and know that like I said, he loves us all. He created each and every one of us and loves us each individually. And uh, talking about surrender um, and surrendering things to God, kind of going back to when you said you first came to accept Christ into your life uh, through some members from Teen Challenge that came to minister to some um, teenagers that you had an interaction from and telling the guy that you were working on it and he saying, really, you can't wait. You need to do it now. Just talk about once you came to Christ and all through your life as a Christian, what surrender has looked like to you in your life. Probably the biggest thing that I've had to struggle with with surrender, and I still struggle with, with even today, unfortunately, is I, as many people know, I work on copiers. I fix copiers for a living. Um, I fix a lot of things are in the house. Uh, I'll come to your house and fix things if you need help. I, I don't mind doing that. I'm a fixer. Uh, I like to fix things. Unfortunately, I don't surrender enough to God for things that I can't fix. I tend to want to fix them myself so that I don't have to bother him. It's like I want to save up my things um, for him for important things. So I try to, I, I don't surrender enough to him for things that I shouldn't even worry with. Uh, so that's something that I struggle with even today. But uh, fortunately, uh, you know, I've got a, a godly wife who reminds me that, that uh, have I prayed about it as much as I've talked right. about it? Uh, she's, that's one of her more famous things to tell me. And uh, there's a lot of truth, and I get a lot of uh, relief from that. Uh, so that's probably the biggest thing that I could talk about as far as surrender, as far as me personally. You mentioned prayer, and talk about the importance of prayer in your life, whether it be through, you know, losing your brother and maybe giving that situation to him or praying for your dad maybe those years when he was lost or other lost family members or just in general, what does prayer mean in your life? You mentioned that it was a big part of you and your wife Angela's life. Well, again, I've having Angela's my wife. She's such a good example of prayer, and um, to the point that I have to ask, can I pray today? Because she will just do it automatically. <laughs> so, but she's such a good prayer, uh, a person that that prays, and um, I've learned a lot from her through that. And uh, 
I find relief in knowing that, uh, like I said earlier, that it, uh, I don't have to do it myself, that uh, he wants us to come from him, like we said earlier, um, uh, even for the little things. Um, I can go to him and talk to him as a friend. Right. And um, um, there's a lot of things. I, I couldn't imagine not having my Lord to lean on through times that I talked about earlier. Even before I was saved, I felt that I could lean on him. And he helped me through a lot of those and helped my sister and my little brother through some difficult times. And uh, even today, I'm married and two boys. Um, there are things that come up in life, as we all know, that uh, sometimes you just say, oh, Lord, how in the world am I going to get through this? But we just know that he doesn't put anything on us that we can't bear right. that, with his help. And uh, thank goodness that we have the power of prayer. And I have many examples in my life where he has answered prayer. Sometimes that some things that I didn't even pray for. Right. <laughs> yeah, he, he knows what we need better than we do, Amen. so to speak. And he answers prayers that we didn't even know we had, maybe. Yep. Steve, share what lets you know that the gospel is still the good news. Like what currently in your life lets you know that God is who he said he is, so to speak? Well... I find a lot of encouragement in that when I'm around people of like faith. When I come to church, uh, my life group specifically, when I think of that, I um, I know we're getting ready to start another session. When we get together with people that are in my life group, you, you can tell if you're having a hard time or a hard week and we get together as brothers and sisters, we lean on each other. We can share some things that are going on in our lives that we wouldn't uh, just tell our wives. We can tell them as brothers and sisters. Uh, we, there's a lot. We get a lot of encouragement from that, from each other, and uh, that community uh, that we have through life groups uh, has uh, been life changing for our family. And uh, in fact, I. It seems like it's been forever since we've had a life group because we've taken most of the summer off. So we're getting very fired up again. So we're really looking forward to getting back in the life groups and community. And um, so um, that's why I find encouragement. Well, uh, thank you for sharing that, Stephen. Certainly I can relate to that. And uh, being in a life group myself and relying on that Christian fellowship and that Christian community and... Uh, Recently in church, Pastor Adrian even had a series about being in community and not isolating ourselves, right. but that we need each other. And even if we think we don't need people, people need us. Amen. And we yes. do need people even when we don't think we need people. And so certainly Christian community and fellowship is important. So thank you for sharing that. Is there any scriptures that you would like to share that have been important in your walk with Christ or have really encouraged you in your walk with Christ? Yeah, um, one that I keep going back to, uh, it's Deuteronomy uh, 31, verse 8. It says, The Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. That's a great verse. Thank you for sharing that. And that encourages me, Steve. 
So uh, <laughs> it, it might have encouraged you, but it encouraged me. So thank you for sharing that. And uh, just what else in the final uh, minutes that we have here would you like to share, um, whether it be answered prayer, you mentioned you had numerous answered prayers in your life, or just anything else that I haven't asked you about your testimony that you would like to share? Well, you know, in our life groups, uh, probably a session or two ago, we talked about miracles and uh, that, you know, God performs miracles even today. We read about them all the time in right. and, and Scripture. Um, so one night we just went around, um, you know, what is what miracles have you seen in your life? And uh, I remember there's a, a couple, but one is specific. I remember Blake, had, when he was a baby, had uh, ear infections constantly. And it was just like we were always at the doctor's office getting um, antibiotics for his ears. And we'd take them and he'd be good for a while and then he'd get them again. It just got to a point where it was just... It, you just knew it was always going to come back, that it was more of a Band-Aid than a fix. And so finally they put tubes in his ears. They thought, oh, this will fix him. He'll be good to go. And so for about a year he had those tubes in, the tubes come out and just like they're supposed to. We thought, well, maybe he's outgrown them and he'll be good now. And he got another bad one to the point that it was starting to affect his speech because he didn't hear well. And uh, just real discouraged about it. And um, I remember... Um, well, we took him up front. Uh, they, they were uh, having people come up and be prayed for. And we said, well, let's just take him up and pray for him. Because the doctor said, look, he's got a lot of scarring on his ears. And um, he probably got 70% hearing loss. I don't know what we can do for it, really. Uh, so we were real discouraged. So we just took him up and we were going to pray for him. So we took him up and, and we had him prayed for. And um, we anointed him. Uh, a couple of days later, Angel had a doctor's appointment to go back for a follow-up. And uh, the doctor said, <laughs> he just sat back and he um, he couldn't believe it. He said, Angel said, well, what, what's wrong? And she said, well, there's nothing wrong. He said, uh, his ears are clear. I don't Amen. even see scar tissue. Praise God. And it was uh, such a, she couldn't wait to. She was, of course, she was excited in the moment. But she couldn't wait to tell me when she got out of the doctor's office. And uh, just witnessing that miracle, knowing the extent of uh, the issues he had, and um, to have him prayed for, and uh, within days uh, later, uh, having to confirm that he had no more hearing problems, and uh, he never did after that again. And uh, it was just witnessing that, knowing that God's power is alive and well even today. And uh, if you don't experience that, then uh, you have not because you ask not. Right. And that's uh, was a very powerful moment in our family and um, just reaffirmed my belief in God's power and his, uh, his faithfulness even today. Well, uh, thank you for sharing that, Steve. And as long as I've known you and Angela, I've never, I don't know if I've heard that story before. <laughs> so it's cool hearing it. Maybe it wasn't the first time. Maybe I just uh, forgot. But if it was the first time, it was good to hear it one way or the other. So thank you for sharing that. And uh, Steve, uh, thank you for joining me on Front Porch Talks today and sharing your testimony. I really appreciated and enjoyed having you. Thanks, Grayson. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, brother. God bless. And do you mind if I just close the program today, just praying for you and for Angela and Blake and Shane and your extended family? Thank you. 
Lord, I just uh, lift uh, Steve up to you and Angela and uh, their boys, Blake and Shane, and I just pray a blessing over them, Lord, and just pray that they feel your presence and uh, every area of their life and every minute of every day, Lord, and uh, as I know they do, Lord, and uh, thank you for their lives and uh, just the witness they are to those around them just by uh, the faith that they show in you and um, just how much they rely on you and uh, just pray for Steve's extended family, his brothers and sisters, Lord, and I pray a blessing over them and his co-workers, his neighbors, whoever he comes in contact with, Lord. I just pray that you will continue to use Steve to be a witness to all those around him, Lord, as I know you are and will continue to do. And I ask all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, thanks again for joining me today, Steve. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. You've been listening to Steve Sipes' testimony. Tune in again next Sunday at noon here on 1470 AM and 102.1 FM WBTX. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries.